Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready. The title of today's show is Stop Rushing Around to Give So Many Penalties. Yes, I know that's a poor pun, but I was in the mood for dad jokes. I'm also joined here by Matt Two Rumpets. Hello there, Matt. Well, hello there, Spanners. That was quite the race we had today. It was all right, and I watched it in a completely different way because I was working and traveling home during the course of the race. I had two choices. I could either pull up on the side of the road and just watch it on my phone, or I could go home and watch it on a time delay. Uh, Yes, and which one did you choose? I chose the time delay, but for me, the social media and the chatting to everyone is such a big part of my race viewing experience. It was quite, it was a very different experience, and I had to think hard about giving that up um, to watch it just live. I wanted to watch it sat, you know, on my sofa and not on the side of the road. Well, yeah, I understand that, but uh, it's tough because if you, even if you're watching on the road, you're still not going to get any of the social media. You can't interact with your friends online and stuff like that, but it is a big part of it and you do miss it when it's not there. Well, it is, but it changes your perspective of everything that was happening. So I watched it with my phone off, avoiding all spoilers. And I thought, oh, okay, you know, that penalty, it seemed pretty harsh. Oh, well, well, he's not happy, you know, uh, but I was pretty chill. But then when I caught up with all the social media, I was like, wow. It seemed like Lewis had punched Mika Salo, who was like on a Bond villain style vendetta. And then Lewis got out of the car, wrote an angsty song about penalty points and then murdered a fairy by deliberately not believing in it. And it just it ramps up the tension and the drama when you're watching it over social media. Like it really gets you riled up and angry. Without it, I had just a really chill two hours watching F1. Yeah, yeah, Um and occasionally it can sort of uh, fill you with things that aren't exactly facts, too. 
which was actually one of my favorite parts of the race. Do you know what it was? Tell me what your favorite part of the race was, Matt. Looking up all the regulations about penalty points and everything after the race was over. I just knew it. I knew I could hear I could hear from across the ocean the sound of you in Brooklyn, like thumbing through like the regulations that you printed off and laminated. Oh, the director's race notes. We must laminate this. Matt, please stop. You're spending all our money on laminate plastic and there and so on. But yeah, I, I imagined you'd be in heaven. Yeah, lots of very interesting questions were asked post-race about penalties, penalty points, and everything else like that. So I got to do a little bit of research, which is always fun for me. Well, welcome to our Russian Grand Prix race review. Let me just remind you that we are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. We're also joined in the shed by our race analyst, Alex Jeansy Van Jean. Hey, Alex, how's it going? I'm all good, Spanners. It looks like we've got an interesting one to review today. Not a screamer, but we've got a lot to talk about. Certainly like quite a lot of like intrigue, and I think it's gonna it, it could come up as like a pivotal point in the season when we look back. Yeah, or it could be one of those peak points where <laughs> it kind of Everyone got a bit overexcited about a possibility of a change, but um, peaks and not trends. Peaks and not trends. I like that. I wish I'd coined that myself. And we're also joined on the panel by Chris Catman-Turner, vet extraordinaire and our quiz master. How's it going, Chris? Hey, Spanish. I'm doing really well, actually. I'm very pleased to be back on a uh, race review show for the first time for absolutely ages. And then you told me it was a Russian Grand Prix my heart sank <laughs> but actually yeah we had we got certainly got a lot to talk about this evening so from a talky point of view there's loads to talk about and from a russian grand prix point of view given our very low expectations of sochi it was fine and and, and gave us a lot of talking points yeah absolutely and uh, certainly people piling into walls had something to do with that <laughs> and um i i will be clear here that the reason we call you Catman. Uh, a, that is your Twitter handle, at CatmanF1. But also, we already had a Chris when you turned up, and it's a bland name at best. So we were never going to have two Chrises, which is why we always refer to you as Cap uh, as Catman. That's right. Sorry or the that. exotic Chris. I'm happy with either. The premium, the premium Chris, the subscription-only Chris. And, of course, you and Chris will be teaming up as Chris Squared to do our iRacing commentary uh, this weekend, actually. This Saturday is the first round of the Missed Apex iRacing stuff. What's up, Matt? Oh, no, I was going to say the luxury Chris. The luxury model Chris. Well, as Chris, that makes sense. Chris is a captain of industry. But on to the race review. All right, Matt. Um, looking at the track, uh, some slight differences. It's not quite the polished marble that it has been of recent years. Well, yes, not surprisingly, uh, located where it is, it has undergone some expansion and contraction. And there are now some uh, bumps and hills and valleys, one might presume. Um, but generally speaking, it's still a fairly low degradation circuit as far as your tires are concerned. Yes. And uh, well, we cleverly as a collective, was it on the Patreon podcast stream? I can't remember now. But we did kind of predict that because of those conditions that Bottas would go well again, Van Gene, and, uh, and, and that he seemed to. Yeah, it's always been a good good track for, uh, for Bottas. He does seem to go well here. Um, but going back to talking about the bumps and stuff, the, from a driving point of view, bumps are great if your car handles them well. 
Yeah. Um, but it's also where those particular bumps were. And we saw this in practice with lots of lockups and lots of people going off at particular braking points. Because if there is a bump in your braking zone, you are going to lock up and you are going to go off. And we did see a little bit more of that, at least today. Catman. Yeah, that did for George Russell and it did for uh, for Lando on a couple of occasions during the race. That particularly savage bump in the brake, the slightly curved braking zone. It's always a fun one and makes it makes mistakes happen. And uh, and Matt, what was the difference in in temperature? Was it hotter than a normal Russian Grand Prix or colder? Well, I don't know if it was hotter than normal, but I do know that yesterday in qualifying the track temp were thirty five, and today they were over forty. So basically, we saw the temperature just get higher and higher across the weekend, and that as we'll get to, uh, put uh, the onus on the soft-hired drivers to really be able to manage uh, the equipment they had. Yeah, right. So it, it all starts in qualifying. So we'll, we'll quickly qualify, uh, We'll quickly cover what went on in qualifying, a couple of big events here. I mean, the first one is the Vettel crash. And for Vettel supporters, it is, it's been heartbreaking over the last few years having, seeing him have the same kind of crash over and over again. Um, and Alex, from my point of view, it, it always feels to me like the ones he had in like 2018 in um, in Monza, it's it's always under acceleration in relatively slow speed corners. And it's it's bitten him again. It has. And it just does show that he misses that Red Bull. Yeah. He misses that rear end downforce blown diffuser years that he had which obviously goes to his driving style, which is an on-throttle driver. And that Ferrari just can't handle it. I mean, if you watch Leclerc on board, he's very smooth on and off. And that's not Vettel's style. No, so you think, oh, okay, so when you say Vettel's style, you think he's a bit more he's a bit more aggressive on acceleration. He's expecting it to be planted. And I feel a little bit sad for him because, you know, he was made a great champion, a four-time world champion with a Red Bull with that double diffuser. And, and it's been cruelly taken away from him. And I'm I'm just starting to feel more and more like I, I don't I'm glad he's going, Matt. I don't want to see him there anymore. I want to see what he can do with like a Mercedes style aero package. Yes. Well, I didn't really have anything to contribute. I just saw an opportunity to correct you and say exhaust blown diffuser. What did I say? Double diffuser. I think I said exhaust Which blown you... diffuser. If you Oh well maybe you did. Well there's, you did. But... there's no time to go back and check, unfortunately. Oh well. Uh, but you're right. I mean and it's cruel because fundamentally, and I think Jeansy was dead on, fundamentally, when he gets beyond the point of thinking, it's his reactions that cause him to do that. And they just must have been so baked into how he drives during those years when he was winning championships that when he's trying to find that last tenth of a tenth of a tenth of a percent in qualifying or in a race, it just it, it comes out from time to time and it's really costly when it does but that shows the difference between him and a hamilton a verstappen and alonso even where they can be given any car and seem to adapt to the fundamentals of that car seb is a fantastic driver as long as the car is where he wants it he's you know button had a very similar trait but i think vettel can go higher with that Uh, and i think him moving to a racing point with a mercedes style aero philosophy which definitely looks like it has a more planted rear end that actually might benefit Seb next year so I'm excited for Seb for next year because we can actually might see some of this go away yeah um, well, so it should be interesting I see what you're doing you're sort of you're mitigating what I'm saying by saying well maybe a, a different driver could could adapt around that and I noticed from iRacing where uh, this is sim racing where you can choose your own setups of course 
If I ever borrow a setup from a much faster driver, like Danny or Brad in our group, the first thing I notice, Alex, is, blimey, there's like no downforce on this. Because I sit there, when I'm comfortable, it's because I've got downforce, I've got grip. They strip that off for speed and don't mind it sliding around and being aggressive. Uh, yeah, so, you know, maybe I, maybe I don't have a good excuse for Vettel this year. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy to admit that I'm not that adaptive driver. When the car's where I want it, I'm all right. You know, we did a thing at Nürburgring um, last time we did an iRacing event and we changed something, couldn't change it back. And I lost a second because I couldn't drive. <laughs> I remember that. Uh, Catman, this is, uh, it seemed to be a track and a qualifying session where you really saw a difference between the teammates. Yeah, there were certainly a, a couple of big gaps. My favourite gap was uh, George Russell in Q1 being 1.1 seconds ahead of Latifi. Uh, that was an absolute smashing and good old George, you know, getting into Q2. That was fantastic in that car this weekend. And he did a, a nice little tweet, didn't he, Catman, that said, uh, you know, guys, this is not a fluke. We've been here a lot. This is where I am. Am I right in thinking that George Russell has not yet been outqualified by a teammate in his whole F1 career? That can't be right. Kubica never got him and Latifi hasn't. So I, I think he's, uh, I, th- I think he's, uh, he's, he's totally uh, on top. I think Latifi might have got him once. Okay. Still. But even so, it's still a pretty impressive record. (laughs) But I'd have to go check if that makes you feel any better. We'll ask the uh, lovely chat room to check for us. Chat room, somebody check out uh, uh, George Russell's F1 qualifying record. We are joined by a live chat room, and you can join us there as well by searching for us on YouTube. Search for Missed Apex Podcast there. You can watch the videos just out of curiosity. I do it with podcasts that do audio or video. I download the podcast, but if I'm free or every now and then, I'll go and check out the video version and, uh, you know, see what our ugly faces look like. Two rumpets. Uh, the chat room is coming in with Catman being absolutely correct on that. So I wow. must have been thinking of race finishes. I think Latifi might have finished ahead of him once. I say it's 31 to zero in qualifying in favor of George <laughs> Russell. I mean, that's get in, son. That's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good. Fair enough. OK, right. Let's move on from qualifying to the race. This is the point in the show where we turn to Matt Abraham Trumpets. That's right, isn't it? All Americans' middle names are Abraham or Montgomery. Did I get the right one? Not even close, mm. but it's not like I'm going to tell you anyway. Okay, fine. Uh, Matt Trumpets, that's your real surname. I didn't make it up and make you <laughs> make you recognized as that name online for seven years, just on a whim. Um, where was the race won and lost? Well, first and foremost, we must say the penalty, a 10-second penalty, absolutely killed any chance Lewis might have had, never mind of winning, of even taking second place, in my opinion. And the second place the race was won and lost was at the start. And crucially, we saw that Botas maintained his position and Verstappen, despite getting behind Ricardo, was able to get back in front before the safety car came out, because otherwise that yeah. would have messed his day up rather extensively. And then the last place, naturally, the pit stops, and specifically the fact that Hamilton was on the soft tire and Botas and Verstappen were both on the medium tire. And even though Lewis wanted to go long, Mercedes said, nope, we want our P3 and we're going to make sure we get it. So that's going to be that for that. So you could even say, Trump, is that the race was won uh, or lost rather by Hamilton in qualifying with uh, the Q2 mistake that then put him on the soft, we had to put the soft tyres on to start the race rather than Bottas being on the mediums. You could say that. 
Yeah, yeah, and, and let's pretend that we deliberately left that out in qualifying because it was more significant to the race. Yeah, we'll pretend that's why we didn't talk about that in the qualifying section. Vanjean? Um, yeah, I mean, well, it depends. Are we going to talk about Lewis Hamilton in qualifying now or are we not? I think we, we go straight into the penalty chat and let, let's talk about all the stuff around the penalty and, and where it's happened. So obviously in Q2, there was that very close call. He didn't get a lap in. I didn't actually catch why he didn't get an early lap in and why he was so frustratedly trying to get a lap in towards the end of the session. Van Jean. He went off at the last corner ah, okay. and his time was deleted. I mean, the thing is, was he said to the team, can I go and do another lap so we can get a banker in? Right. His exact words. They said no, brought him in, put the sauce on, then the red flag. If they had Ooh. let him do that banker, there wouldn't have been the problem. Oh, hang on. Trumpets. He didn't have it. Oh, sorry. No, go. Catman then. Sorry. I was going to say, the team said he didn't have enough fuel to do right. that second lap and get back. That's why they didn't let him do it. Go, Trump. Oh, okay. I missed that. All right. And and since we're we're clearing up uh, for the for, for accuracy, accuracy's sake, mm-hmm. we're going to say that they actually did send him back out on mediums, but it was the Vettel crash that red flagged the session that caused him to have to go out on the sauce. And the reason for this is like super duper fascinating. There are 10 teams on the Formula One grid. Nine of those teams can start their engine using the MGUK power or the battery power. The 10th one decided not to be able to do that so they could get a little extra performance and or reliability out of their engine. And that team would be Mercedes. So when everyone queued up to go back out with two minutes and 15 seconds left in Q2 and Lewis Hamilton having not yet set a time, therefore not getting into Q3, he had to wait until it was safe to send him out because if he'd sat out there and idled his engine for as long as some of those cars were out there, it would have overheated and gone kaboom which might have been kind of what happened to lance stroll who also has a mercedes engine so when you say uh there was one team do you mean one engine supplier that chose that i do right okay fair enough okay just to clarify that that saved us a few emails you can always get in touch with us though um missed apex podcast at gmail.com alex were you about to come in with a point there no okay so we can just fire into all the penalty stuff um so put a pin in the penalty for 10 seconds and it changes the context of the race the fact that they didn't apply it immediately or that it wasn't a grid drop really disadvantaged lewis hamilton matt i mean had it been i don't know how these regulations work but had it been a grid place penalty because it was before the race you could argue that lewis would have had a much better shot um at trying to win but it was kind of devastating having to have the 10 second penalty and put him back into like seventh place uh, yeah, and and crucially, it's important to understand that the regulations require you to serve that penalty when you come into the pit lane. So the fact mm. that he had the penalty before the pit stops meant that he had to serve it when he came in to change tires. There was no getting around that. Okay. And unfortunately for him, although we had the safety car at the beginning, we didn't have, there were no other opportunities for him to steal a second uh, pit stop and make up the time that he was going to lose. There was no way for him to make up the time he was going to lose yeah. doing that. Okay, so I, I think it breaks down into kind of three areas a little bit. So Lewis's reaction to the penalty and what happened after he knew the penalty was applied and when they came in for the pit stops and after he'd served the penalty. Uh, the second kind of talking point point is, you know, should it have been a penalty and all the things around that? And I'm sure the third talking point will come back to me uh, at some point. But so we don't get criticised of being overly hamfosi, 
because we might have a slightly ham fosy uh, um, uh, a panel. Although I Vibe. think Catman has some. I I always have a sneaking suspicion that you've got some Ferrari, some Tifosi lurking inside you. Yeah, do you know what? I'm I have uh, team T-shirts from virtually all the teams on the grid, but I do I do have a bit of a soft spot for the uh, prancing horse. Absolutely. Oh, don't tell me you're neutral. What happens in a man's life to make him neutral? Sickening. I had kids. So oh yeah, maybe neutral. There's that. New, sorry, neutered, neutral, neutered. Well, that's it. Vet talk. Trumpets. Uh, the chat room is asking why he got two penalties. So the to set the scene, he came out of the pit lane, asked the team, told the team he would like to do uh, a start. and But he didn't want to start where everybody else was because of reasons. And asked if he could start at a particular place. And his team said, yes, start there. Mm. Unfortunately, his team couldn't actually see where he was. And he was well outside the area described. In the race director's notes, very clearly and obviously, which is why he got a penalty. But then he didn't get one penalty. He actually got two penalties. One of them was for starting uh, there outside what the race director had prescribed. And the second one was because he stopped, you're very clearly not allowed to change speed in the pit lane until you've exited. So the second penalty was for that. And in each instance, they decided to dock him five seconds and they gave him a penalty point per incident. Now, I know that changed later on, and we can talk about it at a different part of the show, but at, at the time, that put him up to 10 points out of 12 for a race ban mm. and obviously ruined the race at the front because there was no chance of him doing anything with the extra 10 seconds in his pit stop. Now, there's a lot to unpack about the decision. Now, it's come from, the obviously, the driver steward's, uh, the steward's office. The driver steward was Mika Salo, for this weekend, and obviously I will put a bit of my Hamfosi hat on here, it doesn't feel right. So something about those penalties doesn't doesn't hit me correctly. Now, now Catman, I'm not arguing that he didn't break a, a, a race director's code or whatever, and that's a penalty, and I'll explain a bit more in a minute, but yeah, something's just not sitting well. No, I agree. And so I'm I'm slightly upset that he got two penalties for the same yeah. infraction. Um, you know, should it just have been one single five second penalty, which interestingly should have put uh, should have put him in kind of firing distance of Max Verstappen, which would have made a more interesting race. But also, yeah, I, I, if he'd done five practice starts, would he have got a twenty five second penalty? That seems yeah, a bit strange. To me. We've not really seen the rules applied in that way before. But my concern, Matt, is if it's not in the regulations, it's a race director's note. I can understand if it's something track specific, like the bollards. So the bollards exist here. They don't exist in Barcelona. So it's worth having a note to say, right, in this circumstance, if you go wide, go around the bollard or go through the bollard, as some drivers took that to mean. But the pit lane lane thing, there's a pit lane in, in every event. So was it that the race director from this particular event said, oh, actually, I fancy really cracking down on where you have your your race starts. Now, to me, that sets a very dangerous precedent because if you don't like Kevin Magnussen and you notice some procedure that Kevin Magnussen and Haas do on a race event, you can catch them out by putting that in your director's notes and going, right, no, I know, uh, you know, we've had Danish people on the grid before, but we are now asking you not to be overly Danish uh, in the pit lane. And then he comes out and starts eating, you know, cold meats for breakfast uh, and having, you know, going berserk by eating poison mushrooms and smiting his enemies, suddenly he can then slap him with a penalty 
when he's done that every race so far. So that was my first concern. Right. So uh, Hamilton's start um, and the chat room has been very much at pains to point out he made two practice starts, one from where everybody else did. But he wasn't happy with that one because there wasn't there was too much rubber or not enough rubber. And he was just, well, you know, can I do another position Mm. in Sochi is not exactly the greatest place to start most times. And he wanted to get uh, a better taste for what he would be up against. And so he wanted to start again. And he asked if he could do that. And Mercedes basically said yes, because they thought he was within what they understood the race director's prescription to be. But they couldn't see him. And naturally, things get a little uh, confusing at that point. Not really arguing it. But what's surprising to me, what surprised me at the time, and I had this conversation before the penalty points were removed, was that if, for example, the team says, hey, time to go, and you pull out and it's an unsafe release, well, you know, you do get a fine, but you don't get penalty points on your license because you are absolutely doing what your team told you to. And at that point, Lewis was absolutely doing what his team told him to. Now, plenty of people will point out where he started was kind of dangerous because the cars were going pretty fast at that point. No one's arguing that either. No one's saying it was correct. But it did seem weird to me that he got penalty points in addition to the time points, especially because the team clearly directed him and told him that it was, yes, go do this. Catman? Oh, no, I was just, um, I was going to say he was off the racing line and actually uh, not even in the pit lane. He was off the side of the track when he did his practice start. So it wasn't quite uh, on the uh, where, where the other cars were going quick. Thing I was going to suggest about uh, all of this is that the team should really have known that this was an illegal thing because at the end of qualifying, oh, sorry, the end of uh, practice, they allow them to go and do a practice start from the grid slots, um, but they're not allowed to do practice starts anywhere else. So they should have known that, that is, even yeah. on the, you know, going out to the pits that you can't do it anywhere except for in that one designated slot. So that, that was entirely down to the team for me. Okay, so to appease the the people who don't like us being Hamfosi, right, okay, I am about to criticise Lewis Hamilton for his for his reaction uh, to the penalty and for having to serve the penalty. Uh, but what, where I'm still feeling uncomfortable, Matt, is that it, it just, it, they felt, it felt very targeted and very personal. You know, there was not one penalty, there was two penalties. I think originally it was two sets of two penalty points, which the stewards themselves redacted to one times two penalty points. And then they had to climb down and do no penalty points when the radio revealed that Lewis was told to do it. So you could you could understand people getting the feeling that it was like, right, we're out to ruin his race and we're going to ruin Nürburgring for him as well. It, and for something that is not like diving down the inside and punting out seven cars, it's not for you know, driving into the side of a car in Baku, it it really felt just over the top. Um, Alex, quick one from you. It wasn't a sporting infraction. Right, yeah. It wasn't an infraction done during the race. So if that had been done in a practice session, what would the fine, What would the penalty have been? It wouldn't have been a five-second penalty in the race. Mm. So it wasn't even mm. involved in the race. So why should it have a race penalty? I think because it was so close to the race start, they'd like, oh, we can't give him a grid drop which I think probably would have been the right thing. Um, but I, it, it wasn't a sporting, it shouldn't have been a sporting penalty. Agree. Yeah, I, I disagree with that because the track was live. So obviously they'd opened the pit lanes, therefore it was a live track. The sport has started, so therefore you know, mm. it, it applies. And as you say, it would cause a lot of confusion. They, they find it hard enough at the best of times to find their allotted grid slots. Um, so you know, I would suggest that if you 
before you know if they line up and then you on the warm-up lap have to change where you're going to line up that's just going to cause absolute chaos okay so I, I think people will go why are they talking about hamilton so much he came third i think it's fair to say that yes bottas won this race it's also fair to say that lewis hamilton lost this race so we've explored a few areas where he's gone wrong he made the mistake that meant he didn't get his first lap in to start with um and that led to him being you know on soft tires obviously unlucky to to have vettel on there but that's a mistake he made and now he starts the race on soft tires instead of medium tires uh but he also lost the race he he lost the potential to come back in other ways and so in in our chat here we've got a clearly a hamilton fan and nothing wrong with that saying uh, and it's hello quando uh quanqua quaqua uh, says um lewis's reaction was correct what was he supposed to do thank them now i'm not talking about his reaction to the directors i'm not talking about his reaction to uh, getting the penalty i i felt that was proportionate that's fine when you've got kimi raikkonen going for what for what and everyone's going oh kimi he's a good egg look at all the passion there and then of course you remember sebastian vettel uh with i've got a message for charlie in mexico a few years back there have been much much worse reactions than what lewis hamilton did which was just go well that's ridiculous okay so yes there was a bit of a pa- more more paranoid reaction after the race when he suggested you know that they were out to get him but it was a pretty calm reaction what i'm talking about when i say his reaction matt is the fact that he seemed to be so, so head down in a way we've not seen Lewis Hamilton actually for a, for a few years now where it was, I don't want to hear any inf- more information. You've lost it for me. Why did we pit so early? Don't pit me now. We shouldn't have pitted early. Um, it's all gone wrong. And, and it was not a case of, right, I'm going to go and attack, which we're used to seeing Hamilton do. It was, well, I've got a tyre safe now. Well, no, because you brought me in, I've got a tyre safe now. I'm not even going to push. And that'll show you it was way more... Na- it was like Lewis of about three years ago, suddenly. Well, far be it for me to judge someone with that much skill and talent. But no, I will say that in my years of observing Lewis Hamilton, I have frequently seen him behave like he's throwing in the towel, only to turn out a pretty remarkable drive overall. And in fact, on the last lap, after Botas had set fast lap, he actually gave it a go himself on ridiculous tires and did manage the fastest first sector in the entire, uh, well, at least for him, he managed the fastest first sector he'd done the whole race. I don't think he quit. I think he, I think he was frustrated and upset with the whole situation. He very clearly was not happy with the pit call. And yeah. uh, from his point of view, I do understand why, because it took away any chance he had of doing better than third. Conversely, from Mercedes' point of view, who are trying to win the World Drivers' Championship, their job is to ensure maximum points. Had they left him out, the possibility existed that Ricardo and Ocon could both have been ahead of him when he did finally pit, and he would have had to get round both of them, and that would not have been as easy a task as the people he wound up did needing to pass once they pitted him. So, so it was clearly a strategy call made in favor of the team over his personal interests. He was bound to be a little upset because this is the race where he was supposed to break Schumacher's or tie Schumacher's record. He was anointed to do that. The press told yeah. us all week long, this was the thing that was going to happen. He was very clearly, and I will just point out that second practice start as an example, pretty fussed up with it. And no one has mentioned yet the fact that Netflix was in the garage just to make it that little bit more piquant. Well, this is it now. When all of this happened. All, all the new fans coming in, 
and everyone who watches Drive to Survive next season is going to get a really bad view of Lewis Hamilton. Just like last year, they covered the German Grand Prix where the Lewis drive, where the uh, Mercedes drivers were pirouetting and doing their impressions of ballerinas uh, on an ice rink. Yeah, we could say perhaps the only reason that Valtteri won the race is the fact they didn't dress up in funny costumes this time round. Yep. Yeah, Mercedes and. Mercedes and showing personality by marking events doesn't seem to go well. Um, uh, I will cover we'll cover the Sato thing afterwards, but it, I think it's worth switching our attentions now attention now to Valtteri Bottas, who didn't seem to put a foot wrong. Has won a race after after Magello, where he seemed very very frustrated and very very down, and he was basically you know he was alluding to the fact that the safety cars and the restarts had not uh, gone his way. And he seemed to be suggesting that, oh, if it wasn't for that cursed luck, I, I would be doing better. I would be ahead. The interesting question for me is, is he is he talking about getting any race win or is he talking about trying to win a world championship? At the moment, I get the feeling, Alex, when he was talking about going to a church and praying and trying to find answers, we're all thinking about it as a world title fight. I think Bottas is just talking about, I keep getting robbed of, you know, the odd wins here and there. And I think he's happy, generally, with getting these wins. Um, and when it, he feels he got robbed in Mugello, it was a very, very strong reaction, both on his social media and after the race, to this race victory. Well, he's also been actually responding to fans I on know. social media. Um, you know, he's been sort of calling people out. There's the, I think he put a comment up saying uh, he's going to go for it today and then someone made a comment of oh don't act like you're just not sit not just here to have second place and he responds to him he goes no i'm i'm here to win you can believe what you want to believe but (laughs) i want to win races um and with race wins comes world championships nico rosberg Mm. very much focused on race to race to race to race and marginal gains that's what won him the championship in his eyes um But I think Bottas needs to win races because at the moment he can't get anywhere near this. He was destroyed in qualifying. Yeah. I can't imagine yeah. oh, yeah. what that would do to, we, do we, to his confidence. We, he was annihilated. We skipped past that. It, was, it wasn't a fluke to on... either, was it? It was both runs in Q3, Alex. It was sorry to have talk over oh, you a bit, but it was both runs. He Lewis absolutely smashed him. I mean, apart from the Williamses, but I, I do negate those from it. Um, but um, the Red Bull and the Mercedes team battles were the two biggest qualifying gaps on the grid yeah so the to put it into context obviously hamilton had just uh, had his absolute mayor of qt yeah. then it's what five minutes later he goes and smashes it i wrote it down it was nearly eight tenths of a second faster than bottas on the first run and then the second run he improved it so you know that that just shows the the mental fortitude so you were saying that bottas didn't get um, much wrong, but qualifying, he didn't get an awful lot right this time. He's usually really close to Hamilton, but this time, smashed it. What Q3 showed is an angry Hamilton is an untouchable Hamilton, and we'll see that next week. I just want to say, in terms of Botas, I think he really does understand what he needs to do to win a race, and that is be ahead of Hamilton at the start. If he's ahead at the start, he gets the advantage of strategy and he is a good enough driver that he can, on his day, yeah. keep Lewis from winning. Yeah. Which is really what, what, what it boils down to. And I think pretty much for any other driver on the grid, save maybe Max or Leclerc, 
perhaps. I don't know. We haven't seen him in a good enough car to really tell yet. But, you know, I think aside from any other driver besides perhaps Max, that's really what it's going to boil down to. So his frustration was at Mugello, he was. He did the thing he needed to do, and yet somehow it got taken away from him. And on top of it, everyone is saying, oh, you're only there just, you know, you're literally there just to be the second driver and, you know, fill in the gaps if Lewis drives into a wall or his car goes kaboom or whatever. But that's not why he's there. He's there to try and win every race. And I believe he really does try Mm. absolutely his best to win every race. But the fact of the matter is when you're up against Lewis Hamilton, it's just not possible as often as it would be against almost any other teammate. Okay, I'm going to take away and give in opinions of, of Bottas's reaction to his win. I think for context, it would have been better. This reaction that he had, it was very, very strong. He did the, you know, to whom it may concern, you're a fudging fudgesicle, sir, over the radio again. Uh, That would have been a better reaction to the win at Mugello if he'd have pulled it off. Because I think at Mugello, Catman, it would have been much more on like pure performance and a head-to-head battle with Lewis. Yeah, absolutely. As as Trumpets was saying, you know, he did do an incredible job at Mugello. He was, you know, genuinely on pace uh, and the circumstances of the the restarts. The problem is, you know, he that he caught the restart at the wrong time. Obviously, he was in front and it's a it's a mm. easier thing to get around at Mugello at that first corner. Um just wanted to point out that uh, we got a, a lovely tip jar from Cadenza about this uh, subject. Um, he was saying that uh, he wanted to know our take on Buster's radio messages yeah. because uh, he said it was unjustified given the circumstances. He was uh, <laughs> oh, okay. rather than skill based, I think he was saying. OK, no, and look, that, that's fair. And I think that's what I was kind of alluding to, talking about the reaction in the context of just this race, uh, whereas really that reaction was in context to the season but thank you very much for supporting us in that tip jar um in the live chat other ways you can support missed apex podcast is to support us on patreon at patreon.com forward slash missed apex if it wasn't for the patrons we would not have been able to continue doing this show we've been to through two or three periods where we've had to make tough decisions and we've only been able to keep going because of our patron support and that is why a lot of podcasts you love suddenly disappear after a year someone has a baby, someone has increased freelance work that they can't possibly turn down, or a job that changes their schedule. That's why we don't have Tony Thunderbeast Barnard um, on this show. And in fact, people forget this, but we actually lost Matt for big periods of time a few years back when you had to prioritise other stuff. And we've lost Chris this season because he's had to prioritise PR work. Um, But because of patron support, we are able to incorporate um, a lot of our production work into our freelance schedules never this bit this bit never counts as work but doing the things to set the show up doing all the post-production and everything does take um you know what is traditionally called man days it takes man effort and man hours that you have to dedicate over other stuff i've set myself a target we have 690 patrons which is insane it's ridiculous it's wonderful um, we have loads of requests all the time to do things like add t- timestamps to our YouTube videos, have schedules up um, of when, when and where we're going to do the shows and, and what panel is going to appear. We'd love to do all those things. So my target now is when we have 800 patrons, we are going to dedicate a paid full half day a week to, to focus on those things and service our audience and our fans better. We'd love to help you. We'd love it if you'd help us achieve those those goals patreon.com 
forward slash missed apex 199 to remove the ads from the feed and this is dollars by the way so it's even cheaper uh, or a fiver and you can join us in our slack group obviously have the ad free feeds as well and join us for i think our very enjoyable patron only live streams that we've been doing after fp2 on race weekends but back matt to bottas and his radio call um, a lot of energy a lot of emotion coming out of there it just feels that this wasn't the right race to do it in in some circumstances you could say well you know lewis hamilton lost it with the the penalties and the stuff we're talking about but i suppose the real question is let's hypothetically take those penalties away does bottas win this race yes okay good <laughs> i make a joke I made a joke by playing the bumper. Uh, le- why? Why does he win this race? <laughs> Idiot. Uh, because the tire advantage was too big. The medium tire was just too much to ever be overcome with the soft. The soft tire was not so fast that Lewis could put in so much time to create a pit window um, and not have to pass other people. Whereas Botas could go long have free air to pit back into, and you're never going to make up that difference. Lewis was going to have to pit earlier and go longer on his tires. So Botas was pitting later, coming out in front on fresher tires. And as we saw, and I, I will I will hold up uh, everybody's favorite bash toy, Esteban Ocon, uh, that coming out on the tires and not having the advantage, he was on the hard tires and Vettel on the medium, absolutely ruined his race. Uh, if it wasn't already ruined because the the car apparently wasn't behaving on those tires anyway, but yeah, I mean the you needed one one point two second delta to get round somebody, and I don't believe mm. Lewis would have had that mm. by the time Botas got his new tires on. No, that's right, and and even if that uh, VSC towards the end had provided him with an opportunity to pit to put even new softs on. Uh, it still wouldn't have been enough. He would have, uh, if he'd had pitted at that stage, there was 10 laps to go. He would have come out about 25 seconds behind uh, even Verstappen. Uh, so it just wasn't enough for him to even manage to to get back up there. As you were saying, you know, it's it's the 1.2 second delta to overtake was, was quite significant here, um, even with that uh, slipstream fest down that kilometre straight. Well, okay, well, the Alex... Um... I guess the biggest weakness of, of Bottas that we've seen over the last three seasons is tyre wear. So you go on a track where that's not so much of an issue. We are just seeing... I, I don't know. I feel like we're seeing Bottas versus Hamilton if they were just in a different series that wasn't so dependent on tyre wear. You know, what if these guys were, were off racing Super Formula or, or BTCC? You know, Bottas is not a, a mug. He's really, really lost out on, on managing tyres and tyre performance. I mean, this race isn't the best example for it, but you just have to look at qualifying for Bottas. Yeah. You know, Bottas runs the statistically the greatest qualifier of all time, mega, mega close in qualifying normally a lot of the time. Yeah. So it shows he has the raw pace. But I think where we've often seen him lacking is that fightiness in in the first in the first opening laps. Um, a bee scuppered his opportunity to overtake Lewis at turn one today. What? Um, what? And what? Have you not heard this? No. So the reason Bottas broke breaked early for turn one than he should have done is because a bee hit his visor, gave him a fright, and he braked earlier. Okay. Right. He <laughs> said that. Which is amazing. Okay. That's, he said that. 
he did he, he say that on the radio or did he say that in an interview afterwards? TV. TV afterwards. So yep. that is the kind of like if you had not won the race, don't blame it on the B. Don't say that's the reason you lost. But that's I guess like the you, wind at Cota for Nico Rosberg. But if you win, you can say you had those sorts of things. You could have those sorts of issues. Like Hamilton had an equally uh, not good sounding one at Monaco a few years back. What was it to do with? It was uh, not a contact lens, but it was something to do with his vision or something like that as well. And you go, those excuses. Uh, those excuses are better if you win. They're fine. I really do like to think of drivers as performers, as a performer myself, as a musician. Yeah. And one of my all-time favorite musician excuses was a tuba player friend of mine in an orchestra who missed an entrance. And when queried by the conductor said, oh, it wasn't my fault. I had a piece of lint on my tongue. Oh, my goodness. And it's like when I beat Van Jean, <laughs> when I beat Van Jean at karting and he said, oh, it was the cart. It wasn't me. Normally my big fat beehive. Anyway. <laughs> that might be it. But nevertheless, look. Bottas has done enough to win races this year. So whilst the circumstances around uh, Hamilton and getting the penalty might have helped him, uh, well, he didn't get a penalty. So well done on that on that count. He didn't make a mistake in Q2, Matt. He qualified yep. on the medium tyre. Like, you can't take this win away from him, although it might have seemed nope. fortuitous. This is Bottas's win. Yeah, and actually Bottas stayed really close to Lewis on those medium tyres in he the did. first stint. Yes. You know, it's Very not good, like yeah. Lewis had a a really big tyre advantage and pulled away at the beginning. He, he managed to, to keep him within a few seconds for most of that first stint. And then as soon as Lewis pulled in, started hammering out the uh, the fastest laps. So, you know, he, he did a good job on those tyres compared to Lewis on the softs. And, and so well done to him. He's certainly good enough to win races, but to win championships, to beat your teammate, you have to do it again and again and again. And you have to be consistent. Nürburgring, um, I am, this is my very limited knowledge just from driving it on Sims. But it seems like it's going to be a track that suits Lewis Hamilton. We can explore that more later. Heavy braking zones, uh, very slow technical corners. I feel like uh, that's going to test Bottas and see if he can continue this run. But if he does, the title championship isn't over. Let's move on to the midfield. So much to pick from, uh, from the midfield, actually, which I will officially announce that as far as Mr. Apex is concerned, Ferrari is part of that midfield and solidly so uh where should we go to oh, i need to start with mclaren actually i need to start with mclaren we'll we'll cover ferrari for sure uh another good outing from renault i'm definitely going to talk about perez p4 baby whoop um but let us start with mclaren because i have strong opinions on signs who i have no particular grudge against however he had the most shocking opening lap we've seen for a long long time you know it was grosjean-esque uh, opening Catman. Uh, let, let, let's just before you come in, let's just run through what he did. He he made a lunge down the inside of turn two, which is effectively turn one. Tagged his teammate on the way through. Had locked up to the point where he had to go off and recover. Tried to go through the runoff boundary, but missed that he had to turn right a lot more than he did. Smashed into the wall. Littered the track with debris that his teammate then had to drive through. That is such. That is such a calamitous error and sequence of events for a lap one. If there was a race next week, I would be tempted, if I was sidle, to just go, Carlos, love you, mate. Love your work. But that you've had a real shocker there. Sit down. Just sit down for a little while. Play some games. Chill out. We'll get the reserve driver in for the next race. And we'll, we'll get no, no, no resentment. Just, just have, a, have a race off. Catman then, Matt. 
Oh, it was absolutely shocking. And can I also point out that uh, Carlos had a lap one incident at Mugello as well. He uh, he dropped it through the chicane all by himself. So he's had a couple of real shockers on the first lap. And uh, it, it did seem to be a little bit like a, an open lobby on iRacing. <laughs> he also has the old parts on his car and outqualified his teammate. So I don't. He doesn't have the old parts anymore. Like... He smashed them into a wall. <laughs> yeah, well. Uh... But I don't think it's as simple as saying he had a shocker. What what interests me <laughs> and where I'm going to go with this, yep. and you know I'm going there. Yes, I know. I'm going all the way to the bollards. Oh, okay. And this idea that in order and tracks with this kind of runoff, the only way to make it fair when people miss turns is to make them drive through some artificially constructed maze before they rejoin the track. I like it. I don't like it. Why not? Drive I don't I don't like it. it for a variety of reasons, but I, I think Jeansy, you have a point. I think it's the correct thing to do because you can't just have people rejoining yep. rejoining the circuit at that particular point. There shouldn't be a jutty out solid wall to navigate your way through mm. for this exact reason. Yeah. But also it should be something to slow you down. Max Verstappen gained so much time by bailing off to the left hand side and flooring it through that little maze that um that he actually managed to stay ahead. If it had been a bit slower, mm. like it should be a penalty, he would have dropped back even further. So the problem Carlos had is he was so late over that um, sausage curb that he didn't have the angle to turn and he just mm. kept it pinned and decided to smash a wall up. Yeah, so I agree with you that Max had actually started hitting the throttle before he'd gone over the exit curb to try and get to that as quickly as possible. Um, but he had a much better angle than Carlos, as you said, because he made the decision far earlier, so could just absolutely hammer it. Whereas um, Grosjean and uh, Carlos decided that they would take it to it much later. And that is ultimately my frustration with this, is depending upon where you miss that turn, your mm. steering rack may not even have the compliance to get you where you're supposed to go, as we saw most delightfully with Grosjean. And I swear all the drivers probably cheered him afterwards in a secret ceremony for demolishing those things. Oh yes, I don't disagree. There needs to be a penalty for going off. You don't want people just to be able to floor it and gain places like we used to see in Canada all the time. But I'm not convinced driving around uh, styrofoam bollards is that answer. Roman, uh, just remember, if you miss the turnoff, you have to drive through the penalty bollards. Okay, got it. Oh, my goodness. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's have Alex, then Catman. I think what it probably should be, the penalty should be, if you have to go through the bollards, you have to, like, come off the throttle. You can't just <laughs> nail it yeah. and basically make it a 45-degree corner rather than a 90-degree corner. What about, like, what about, like, a penalty stop? Uh, Alex, how about just going like, you know, you've got your wheels have got to stop rotating and then carry on. I don't know. That's too strong. Too strong. Okay, okay, too strong. Calm down, Spanners. Matt? It's easy enough. Uh, they have they have prescriptions for double yellow, exactly how much you had to back off in order to be considered following double yellow, wave double yellow flags. They could say the same thing. If you're on the backside of the curb, you have to have a throttle at 70%. Yeah, I and if it's more than that, we will penalize you until you're back on track. Oh, so if you're off track. I mean, I, I argue yeah. for this ages ago and got soundly you know shot down but um i i I like runoff area i like runoff area okay because it's safe and i don't want to see drivers making a mistake and the penalty is really risking serious injury if we can remove that as much as possible i'm happy i don't need danger there's enough danger in life 
You know, your you know your prostate's going to get you eventually. Calm down. We, you don't need to deliberately have danger to avoid sport. Uh, sorry, to to enjoy sport. So I like the runoff, but there should be a penalty. Um, so you know, people say the strip of grass and then or strip of gravel and then the runoff. But obviously, there's a flip risk there. So what I was proposing was much you know like you would get in a computer game because we have the technology. The second you are detected as running off track, your power ramps down to seventy percent until you rejoin the track and that and that is a distinct disadvantage for going off track catman i mean it works really well in sim racing but we we do have the technology to detect where the car is to give deltas on a dashboard to control the engine we can do all of that and be safe yeah it does work really well on a on a sim until what i used to do is because i think they employed this in one of the grand prix grand prix four i think it was back in the day uh what i used to do was i used to get this penalty and it says five seconds at 70 percent throttle i used to then go on to the track and start weaving so that people couldn't get past me so i could well <laughs> see people doing that no well look you know you've got a path that you've got to stay on the bollard maybe it's too extreme because you've got to go they're relying on the fact that you've got to go hard lock left, hard lock right to slow you down. But if they simply said, here's a set of bollards you've got to go through, it's completely straight, but we're going to reduce your, your engine power as you go through there. That t- technology exists. And there was a lot of resistance to uh, automatically detecting penalties for, for when they sensed they were exceeding track limits. But was it Austria where they did that very, very successfully, Catman? So, you know, these, these technologies do catch up and they, do, they make themselves available. Yeah, and for the most technologically advanced sport in the world, supposedly, I have no idea why they haven't done this previously. Good. Alex? I bet the team would be very good at saying, oh, it won't work well with our electronics or it might be bad for our engines. I bet they'd have very, very clever ways of saying why they can't do it. Which goes back to a throttle trace is a throttle trace and it's very easy to see if the driver lifted as much as you requested or not. Good. Right. Uh, So... That was McLaren and uh, an almost disastrous start. Now, do we know, was Lando Norris compromised at all um, by that incident? Because he seemed to be slightly off pace then for the rest of the race. Although it's hard to tell, the McLarens just might have been slow. Matt, what do you think? Well, uh, he may or may not have been compromised by that. But he and Albon and Russell were utterly Uh, compromised by pitting on lap one because apparently they mistook a one stop for stopping on lap one. Yeah. And the thing is, there's been a big there's been a big deal made of how like matey they are and how they do all their Twitch streams together. Where when they all came in together, I'm like, are they are they streaming now? Are they communicating on on Twitch right now? They've all come in, all three of them, for this same strategy: lap three, hard tire, run to the end. We saw Nico Rosberg do this in 2015. It can work again. Yeah, well, in 2015, it could work because the cars were slower, but it's not going to work on two-year-old tires on cars that are this fast. And it didn't. It didn't even come close to working. Not only did it not come close to working, but because they were on the hard tire and most everyone else was on the medium or soft, they lost time. And they lost even more time fighting amongst themselves. And it was just, it ruined pretty much all three of their races, that one move. It didn't ruin it for me, though. That was awesome, watching those three mates having what was basically a cart fight. But for me, what that actually did was make Russell look incredible because they should have just driven round George Russell with a Williams. There is no way a Williams should have been fighting with a McLaren and a Red Bull. Um, And even more befell Albon, unfortunately. How much I don't like to befell Albon, but... um, 
Yeah, it was just awesome watching that. They were, they it were. It was an absolute proper dogfight. It's like they all knew they weren't going to get anywhere further in the race, so they just thought they'd fight it out. It was a, a little right. race within a race, though, wasn't it, Matt? And um, we did get to see them genuinely go at it in a really clean, lovely way. It was brilliant. Well, you say clean, lovely way, but it was clear from Norris Radio that he did have some oddities with his steering. Yeah, because signs punted uh, him, mate. Yeah, because science punted him, and it was he. He said it was going from light to heavy back and forth, and his engineer was like, "Well, just drive, and you'll develop some confidence in it." <laughs> that was that was that was it. Yeah. And then he went on to do like forty three laps on the. Yeah, he went on to do forty three laps hard on tire on like, that hard tire. Like I couldn't believe forty three, forty four. I don't remember, but what I I do remember is Raikkonen and hit it around thirty seven, and he was toast on same tire. And and Lando was still like being fast and defending well after that. So, I mean, in its own right, it was pretty impressive. But essentially, that move took the three of them entirely out of the race, except for Albon, who did manage, I think, to nick the last point available. It did. And Lando's come a long way since he started uh, last year in Australia when he, he couldn't overtake Giovinazzi. His racecraft has been, you know, today specifically where he was defending was pretty spectacular. And, you know, where, where, as I say, down that long straight where there's such a DRS toe, he managed to keep Albon and Russell behind him for a, for a little while, which was mm. really good to see. And uh, what's clear, though, Alex, is that Russell was right on the edge when he was he probably knew he wasn't going to keep him behind for long, but he did. And these are his best mates in his industry. These are his best work friends. And he really made a nuisance of himself. And then, obviously, like, you could, it's easy to go, oh, well, he locked up, he messed up. But really, he was, he was on the limit fighting them. Oh, yeah. He knew it was kind of his time to shine, really, because the cameras were always going mm. to be on that fight. So yeah. he has to show that he can do fighting. And it's like, oh, okay, I pushed the car as hard as it could go. And, you know, I just locked up because the car couldn't take anymore. He doesn't look bad <laughs> no, at, not at all, all no. through that. And um, I, I just want i want him in a Mercedes. I want him in a higher up car because that kid is the future. Patience, patience. It'll come. I think it will. It will definitely come. Look at that fight. A damaged Lando Norris. Uh, probably. No real evidence for that. Um, but a damaged Lando Norris fighting with George Russell in a an underperforming generally Williams, overperforming for Williams, but you know generally at the back of the grid. That makes sense that those two were down there, Matt. Alex Albon was in there as well in a Red Bull. His teammate finished second. Now, here's the pattern we've gone through all season, Matt, okay? Albon is running poorly. Oh, look, this is Matt getting ready to yell at me like everyone else on the internet and in the YouTube comments. This is the pattern we've had. This is the conversation we've had. Albon is running poorly. His teammate is in second place. I will say to you, he's doing badly, Matt. This is not good. This is not the results we want. Yeah, And this is the conversation we've had seven, six or seven races out of nine. Then you say, ah, no, it was for a variety of reasons. And then our listeners say, oh, Spanners, you're mean. You hate Albon. I don't. But we're having that same conversation again. On the face of it, this was a terrible performance. We saw good individual flashes of racing. It was fun to watch him with the Twitch gang, but his teammate was second. So you give me the reasons next, and then everybody hates me after. Well, aside from him qualifying where he qualified, he had a five-grid spot penalty for a new gearbox, okay, and they pitted, in a, pitted him on lap one and basically put him out three. last yeah. of the entire race. And from last in the entire race, 
of the two people he was racing against, Russell and Norris, he finished in the points. Norris finished 14th, 15th, and I think Russell was dead last of the people who actually finished. So, yeah, it wasn't second place, but I would argue that between the strategy and the penalty from the new gearbox, Mm -hmm. it was not ever going to be much more than what he achieved. Um, And so, yeah, you can say, oh, that's circumstantial. It's always circumstantial, but I would disagree in this particular instance. Okay, so Russell finishing dead last of the finishes. Are you surprised by that? No, I'm not surprised by that. Then you come on to Norris. So that McLaren should not be getting anywhere near that Red Bull. You know, even, you know, the the two podiums that they've got this year have been out of circumstance rather than out of pace. Max Mm. Verstappen has been on the podium virtually every race and Norris has not looked like even troubling it anywhere near. So, you know, I like Albon as a guy. I think he's probably quite quick on his day. But he's unfortunately at this stage, you know, I, I guess there's, as Spanner said, there's been yeah. so many races this year now where he's just not, uh, we, we've been talking about the same sorts of things where he's just not being able to get on pace. Yeah, we, we, we were talking uh, last race about him being three tenths off in qualifying being a good result. Yeah, it's just not. And, and this time it was like 0.8, but someone in the chat points out, yes, Max might have got a toe for, for that. Um, but all the things Matt pointed out, like the grid penalty and the strategy going against him, it doesn't change the fact that on pace, he wasn't having anything that was affecting his pace during the race, yet he was still scrapping with the likes of, of uh, damaged Norris and, and Russell. Um, Alex, where do you actually land on this? Do you, do you think I'm being overly critical? I've tried very hard to defend Albon yes. because I like him. Yeah. And I do think he is a talented driver. However... We're at race 10, 10, and he did half a season last year. He's never got close to Max. And okay, Max is special. I definitely agree that Max is special, but qualifying 1.2 seconds off your teammate isn't acceptable, and the gap is getting bigger. It's not getting closer, which is my worry. And Gasly's resurgence has come at a wonderful time for him at a very poor time for Albon. Oh, how much did Gasly seem to enjoy overtaking overtaking um, Albon there, Alex, on the team radio? Uh, very, very... I think, like, I'm sure it's not personal. I'm sure he doesn't hate Alex Albon. But as far as he's concerned, that's his seat. And he's won <laughs> in a inferior Alpha Tauri. And, you know, getting that overtake done must have been very satisfying, even though it was on a, you know, softer tyre after a botched strategy call. Yeah, it's it's always good to sort of, you know, put the thing put the finger up to um the team that drops you, but I don't think he wants to go back. <laughs> I don't think he yeah. like I don't think Gasly or Albon like that atmosphere that is at Red Bull for the number two driver. And you are very clearly a number two driver. We also don't know how different the cars are, but you know, and they could be very, very different, but if this, but they're not going to hamper their second car by that big a margin. Look, Perez in it. <laughs> I think that Max may have had a new power unit for this race, and I don't believe that Albin did. I would want to double check that. Okay. okay, but you are correct, and and bogarting my point about how often they weren't driving the same cars. 
throughout mm-hmm. the season. And that okay. was a point that Summers made on the tech time that was totally average and not worth listening to at all. It was rubbish. Don't listen to Matt on tech time available now. Don't listen to his silky voice, his good hosting or his salient points. Just don't. It was rubbish and boring. How have we not talked about Perez yet? We will now because Catman invoked it and talked about Perez. I mean, yeah, fourth place is probably the best result you can get as a as a not Mercedes and um, a not Mercedes or Red Bull driver. And I've been really disappointed with the way things have been going for Perez this season. And I have to say, it started on a very negative note again, Catman, because he the the boy can't pull away. He can't get off the line. He gets he gets outmuscled. He's far too cautious. And that just undermines his race skill, which is that he is relatively quick, but he's again proved that he's demon on the tyres and can do other things other people can't do, which gives him options. But lap one just keeps just letting me personally down again and again. So do you think this is a reaction to him a few years ago when he was mated up with uh, Ocon and constantly crashing into yeah, him on lap maybe, one? Do you think maybe. he's maybe reined it back in? Well, he's older. And he's... yeah. Yeah, and he's trying not to do a science every race. Um, <laughs> the other thing as well, he's kind of driving, uh, I guess, like a, a man who needs to drive. Really. Yeah. Let's be honest. You know, he's, uh, his, his performance today was, was fantastic. Apart from the start, you know, he was, he was supreme today. You have to do it the hard way again, Matt. Yeah, well, this immediately reminds me of baseball, where a study I once read discovered that players in their final years of contracts remarkably had significantly improved statistics across the board. And I think the same may be true for Formula One drivers. Well, in that case, Bottas should be better than Hamilton. because He's always on the last year of his contract. Um, but anyway, you know, you know Perez's move uh, on uh, Ricardo you know, on, what was it, lap 14? That was absolutely fantastic. We'll get to that great chat room comment, though, from John McClintock in the chat. Perez is doing it on purpose because Spanners just isn't as good of a fan as he could be. He's putting it personally on me. But no, I'm not a good fan. I'm not a good fan of the drivers I like, because I, I think I've come from, you know, sportingly, I've come from team sports and football, where when things are going wrong, as they often did at Leia Road watching Colchester United, the first thing you're looking for is answers from the manager. There's no goals. You want answers from the striker. You want to see what's on the bench. You're leaking goals. You, you want to, you know, what's the keeper doing? Coming out like that. In F1, it seems to be a little bit different. The driver is a god. When you are a fan of a driver, they can do no wrong. And you must defend them tooth and nail, even when it's obvious they're making mistakes. When I like a driver, I'm like, Perez, dude, I'm giving you my emotional investment. Can't you feel that? Can't you feel my emotional investment? And you can't stay alongside Ricardo on on lap one? Come on, dude. So, yeah, maybe it was my fault personally. But, Alex, um, that move on Ricardo, it was racecraft on show delicious and i don't actually think we see a lot of really good strong racecraft from perez but that move was fabulous and mm. I, lo- I love that it's the only thing i like about this circuit is that particular section of circuit from turn i, I don't i still don't class turn one as turn one from turn one yeah. to the long left hander into the right hander is such a brilliant place overtaking because you can switch back and if you watch what he's done he has run ricardo out of road you know he's done it fairly and on the limit but nothing wrong with it and you make him back out and to make ricardo back out of a move you've got to be doing a pretty damn good move 
it's a really nice section of track until lap 14 when the the marbles get so ridiculous because they can't roll off anywhere because of the barrier on the outside that there's only there becomes only one line through that corner mm. and and then you know you, you just can't go side by side into that right hander so the move is done at the who's ever at the apex at the beginning of that corner um as we saw with Raikkonen and Bottas a few years ago when they arrived you know, at the next corner, and they, you know, Bottas had had no grip anywhere, and just they they smashed into each other. So, or Grosjean when he gets on the uh, marbles and smashes into the barrier. So, yeah, I, I like it, but the street circuit nature just mm. kills it after a few laps. Uh, what was so sweet about that move, though, I think, was that it wasn't really about what happened in turn three and four. It was all set up into turn two, into the chicane with Perez on the outside. And looking back at that on the rerun, you go, Ricardo must have thought he was going for the move round the outside, which we'd saw, you know, come off quite successfully. You go round on the outside and then you've got the inside into turn three. But I don't think Perez had any intention of doing that. He made he made Ricardo sacrifice and defend effectively into turn three when all of the time Perez was thinking about turn four, Alex. And I think that's what made it so delicious was you see quite early on in turn two that he's going he's he was always going for the cutback. It wasn't like a split second decision. You know, that was the plan all along. And you go, oh, you've played him. You've set up Ricardo. And like you said, you know, if you can set up and play Ricardo like that in what looked like reasonably uh, well-matched machinery, I fanboyed fairly hard. It does surprise me how many people go for the move at turn, turn two, two yeah. and not turn three, mm. because it's actually easier to set them up for it. But I swear that they're just so obsessed with, overtaking on DRS. Oh, I can get ahead behind DRS. But no, use DRS to get yourself in a decent position. Make them go defensive, mm. make them defend their line, and cut around them. And I mean, it's the kind of move I like I like to do rather than diving on the brakes because diving on the brakes is really risky, um, especially with someone like Ricardo who will always hang around the outside as he proved around turn three. But you can make it work when you hang around the outside of turn, when you make someone hang around the outside of turn three. You don't like you're the king of the lunge, Vanjie. What are you talking about? You love going on the on the brakes really late. Depends who I'm up against. I mean, do you know what my racing my racing mindset has changed these days since joining iRacing because I'm much more cautious. Um, I'd rather what? I'd rather have an easy one. Okay, if you could be cautious, not, not, not against you, not against you, Spanners. If you, you just cause a red, I swear you were a red rag to a bull to me in 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 mistake. That's why I've avoided the Renault 2.0 this season. I was and gonna, I'm focusing on the Formula One season. I was going to say, Alex, um, you have to be cautious out loud so everyone can see. That would be my only crib note on that. I will say that you are such an aggressive driver um, that when I beat you at karting, which I, I I'm not going to mention, um, I I didn't I didn't fear the wheel to wheel battle because I knew I'd lose. I knew I had to stay at least a couple of seconds ahead because within two seconds you would just appear suddenly by the side of me um, and and clatter me out. But yeah, it's nice to talk about uh, some real good racing um, and I think that was a good example of that. Alex, we can see you do your iRacing stuff and we can watch you and uh, and we can go on your YouTube channel and see your adventures live uh, and you're quite honest with it. You know, you're not looking for the, you know, you share the good and bad, which is what I think I like about your stream. Yeah, listen, I'm 
I've never admitted to being the greatest sim racer. Um, I think I've often said at the beginning of my stream when Brad's been streaming at the same time, if you want to watch a race at the front and see perfection, <laughs> go and log on to Brad's stream. If you yeah. want to see a, a, um, a fight back from a spin early on, come and watch me. Um, but I've recently joined the, the, F, the IGP series, which I just love. I, I, the cars you can push so hard and the racing there is fantastic. Um, all right, all right. Just tell uh, us where to so, find yeah. it. Tell us where to find it. Oh, just look for my name on YouTube. Okay, and uh, your like, name. Share and subscribe. Please subscribe. I'm, I'm, I know I've spent ages begging for Twitter, Twitter subscribers. I'm mm. now begging for YouTube followers. So please go and follow me on YouTube. Okay, just remember Alex Van Jean is spelt weird. It's van, like a bigger car, and then it's G-E-E-N. So I reckon that was a, you reckon that was a Dutch name to start with. Van Jean. It was a, it okay. was a Dutch it name. It was a Dutch name. So V-A-N. E-E-N is Hain, which is a place in Amsterdam. And there we go. Uh, follow him. Go subscribe to his thingy. What's it? Um, Catman, hi. Sorry, we were talking about uh, racing moves and got distracted by Alex's YouTube channel. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, mm. you know, speaking of uh, dodgy racing moves, can we, the chat room are, have moved on from us and they're talking about <laughs> the, uh, the Renault swap of positions, which was yes. diabolical. Let's do that. Can Let's talk, talk about, about that? that. Absolutely. Go ahead. So I am going to take, I'm, I'm Trump is going to hate me for this, but I'm going to take the line that Ocon was being a little bit uh, sour grapes, a bit dirty on this one. You know, he was like, yeah, sure. I'll let my teammate go past. No problem. Oh, I'll make it really hard for him and make him avoid me at the apex. Oh, Ricardo locks up and goes off and gets a penalty. Whoops. I'm really sorry about that. Except for having been promised the position back. How is that in his best interest? I mean, like, like, I get it. Like, I understand the point that you're making. But honestly, having been in a position um, in iRacing in sports cars where you're trying to let people go by you, mm. going that slow into a turn like that is is like, oh, yeah, sure. I'm obviously letting you by here. I'm making it really obvious you can go by here. And and Ricardo, he, he the brakes locked up on him. He braked a little bit too late, et cetera. He hit one of those little bumps that you talked about. Mm. And then he failed to follow the race director's note and so he got a five second penalty as right. a result full disclosure matt is coming from an ocon an ofosi yeah let's do that from from an ocfosi point of view the the promise of the place back it's important to know would likely have been if he couldn't get past vettel so it wasn't you are definitely going to get the place back it was still quite damning that it was you can't get past Vettel. We think Ricardo can swap positions. If he can't, we'll swap it back. That's pretty. That's not good. That's not a good look, as the uh, as the YouTubers say. Well, I mean, first of all, if I was in Ocon's position, which I wasn't, because let's face it, I'm not that good of a driver. No. But if I was, I would absolutely. If my teammate could get round Vettel, I would want that to happen because it would increase the probability of me getting around him, which I couldn't do on my own. And secondly, and now this to me made Rick, Ricardo and Ocon and Renault the most interesting team in the race. We saw Ocon pull away from Ricardo on the soft tire, but then we saw Ricardo pull away from Ocon on the hard tire. And that's fascinating because I'm fairly certain they were not running the same setups in the race. And that might be a big clue for Renault going forward as to how to set up their car to be even faster that's that's coming from me and the third thing is i mean if we're going to talk about Renault, um having made the mistake 
which Ricardo admitted on the radio. Yep, that was on me, guys. Sorry yeah. about that. I'll just drive faster. And you know what? He did. He drove way, way faster. And the penalty that he got was meaningless at the end. And for those of you who I know all want to say Ocon was terrible, I will point out that for 13 laps, Daniel Kvyat could not pass him. So, yeah, he might not have been as fast on the hard tire, but when the pressure was on, he did not let a single position go away from him. And I, I found that to be a pretty impressive defensive drive, even if you're not a fan. Yeah, so uh, absolutely. He did do a very good job against Kvyat on the newer tires towards the end. Um, but I guess the issue for me was that, yeah, he couldn't get past, um, the Ferrari at all. And then as soon as Ricardo got within striking distance, bam, he was passed very quickly, which then let Ocon get by for me as well on the, the first lap of the race, what did it for Ricardo was that he was up to P3 ahead of Verstappen. And then by the time the safety car came out three quarters of the way around the lap, he was behind Verstappen and behind Ocon as well. If he'd, not made so many mistakes in that first lap or, or been able to defend it a bit better, he may have been, or may have had a better race. I wouldn't disagree. Um, and the fact that he wound up behind Ocon and crucially more so than behind him, the fact that he fell back and that Perez was able to pass him, that Perez getting around him kind of ruined Renault's race very much because as it was, Ocon was clearing Vettel from his pit window. But with Perez passed, once Perez caught him, they pitted him immediately. And that put him out behind Vettel on the hard tire. Well, whereas Vettel was at the height of his medium tire performance. My personal guess is that Ocon pushed hard to try and get round him, which is his team would have told him to do, but probably wound up with graining on his tires, which explains his slow pace, but it picking up later on. That was that's my mm. guess as to why he suffered that. But he did say on the radio, this car is not the same. I don't have the balance. I don't have the grip. And he's smart enough to recognize it and let a faster teammate through and not fight with him, which is what he did. We hear you, Matt. We hear you. Um, but it is it is fascinating to see Re uh, Renault, you know, up up near the front, up in those really competitive places again for the third race in a row. You know, maybe it's not a flash in the pan. Maybe it's not just because. There was low downforce setups. Maybe Renault have a package that can be competitive and that is, is just behind that racing point package. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. 
burrow.com/acast I'll just address a quick comment because um I think it's relevant to why we talk about things like i racing and karting someone said well this is increasingly becoming the i racing channel now then i i think people who don't do sim racing and i racing underestimate the 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 sense of racecraft and the sense of uh being part of a championship that i racing can give you in the same way that karting can give you that that phenomenon obviously karting's been less and less of an option recently and we've turned our attention to i racing but missed apex as an organization is based around a love of f1 but also racing right we strongly strongly believe that you should be turning a wheel we strongly strongly believe that you know a football fan has knows what it's like to have a kickabout if you're going to talk about racing you should know what it's like to sit there and try and compete at any level and it can be the formula one game on a console using a controller it can be a full sim rig on iRacing um, or it can be going out and go-karting and knowing what it's like to go wheel to wheel so yes occasionally we are going to refer to our own experiences and at the moment uh, that experience is iRacing but I know Alex you and the and the racers out there who've competed in other series you are so gushingly favorable about the the comparison between sim racing and the sporting element obviously not the danger element but the sporting element of sim racing versus you know going out there in real life you know it's it's a reasonable approximation of racecraft and strategy yeah i mean it's been the bigger jump for me moving to vr mm. more oh, than oh, moving yeah, to yeah, yeah, racing yeah. because for me who's spent my entire younger years in a cart to then sort of do sim racing to be able to look to my right and see the car next to me yeah. and adds that added depth which means i i i can brake later i can turn harder i can do more i can be more aware of what's going on um it does add to it and i'm not missing karting at the mm. moment because we have because yeah, i have yeah. i racing yeah um yeah and or because I have VR, I mean, I think anything that can any racing that can work in VR, I think VR makes a massive difference. Um, VR is definitely the future in my eyes. Um, it just it just adds that element of depth that you can't get anywhere else unless you're on a racetrack. Good. Let's move on to the podium. Wow. Trumpets. Have I gone to the podium too early? Well, no, because like I'm looking at the clock here, but I did want to briefly mention Alpha Tauri before we get to the podium because they had an awful good race. And that's all I wanted to say. Well, we did already mention Gasly, didn't we? And I suppose the, the, the other thing to mention, I suppose, is that, uh, you know, Kvyat had the alternate strategy, but I was actually reasonably angry about that, Alex, because yes, they, they did an alternate strategy. And went longer, but again, eleventh place has a massive advantage over the cars ahead of it. And I, I'm not overly sure I'm happy with that situation. Why does failing to qualify for Q3 give you more options and more tools in your arsenal? The, the whole Q2 tire selection for the race uh, thing has it's been a failure, as far as I'm concerned. And I think it adds nothing. Uh, to to the race it gives the faster cars more of an advantage and it gives and it rewards the the teams that don't quite make it into q3 yeah with with the sensitivity of the tires 
I actually don't see a point for it. It doesn't actually add anything. And didn't one of them actually start because of Albon's penalty? Didn't um, one of the Alpha Terrors actually start in 10th? Who started in 10th? remember but yeah. yeah so they all shuffled up anyway because of albon so yeah it, it's it's one of the things but we got to so we get to see kvyat do really really well um nice to see him do well at his home grand prix which is always great to see um but i think that alpha tower is a really nice balanced car you don't see it out of control too much which tells me it's a very compliant car to drive yep i was going to just say that for a couple of races running now, they have really made the most of their strategy and opportunities at the junior Red Bull team and getting them to finish both in the points back to back today deserved a quick mention on the show. It could and anything else that we've left off might even get a mention in our fabulous awards that we do at the end of the show where we like to say uh, we like to give a, a good thing award our thing of the weekend. We're going to do a bad thing award, which is the Missed Apex Award, a pony award for those drivers who have come over the team radio or interviews in a manner uh, befitting a, a child asking for a pony. And of course, we give out an award for the best comments in our live stream as well. So I'd like to take this opportunity to thank, to thank you for uh, continuing to download Missed Apex podcast. We know you have a choice when picking your F1 podcast, and we appreciate you picking missed apex since the um the global pandemic that we're all facing a lot of journalists uh and personalities within motorsport and other fields as well suddenly had the opportunity and the time to start podcasts the whole world woke up to the possibility that you can use zoom calls to create these these online broadcasts and we we kind of lost the little jump we had uh on that market and big organizations came out and 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 et up big parts of the the podcast potential f1 podcast audience so we appreciate the audience we have more than we ever had we've certainly not lost any audience we, we've grown if anything um but we've not grown in the manner in which we had hoped and we had been planning to and in the manner in which we had been in previous seasons um so just know that we we absolutely cherish the audience we have we would love it though if we would if uh if you could tell your friends so if perhaps you have a friend who's into f1 you could share a link if you are in your podcast player now, uh, have a little look, have a little swipe, I think, on most things, and you'll see the show notes, beautifully written by Matt Trumpets. I'll provide a link there that you can share with your friends, and I will also uh, provide a link if you wish to join our patron community, patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex. Thank you for listening to Missed Apex, and thank you for your support. Uh, we'll go to the awards now. Let's start with the Good Thing Award. Hmm. Who's not paying any attention? Van Jean, you seem distracted by something, so I'm going to ask you, who gets your thing of the weekend this weekend? Not Max Verstappen, who got driver of the day today. <laughs> Did he? Oh. For some, he he lost the position on the grid and then inherited second and stayed there. Why does he keep getting driver of the day? I don't get it. Um, no, it was the, was the Twitch battle. Those boys at the back, fighting like they're in cart, like the old days and going hammer and tongs. And then Russell, as far as I'm concerned, Russell was the highlight of that because he shouldn't have been able to be in that fight, but his pure talent um, put him there. I've said it a hundred times. That kid is the future. George Russell. A future world champion. Awesome. Uh, Catman, Chris Catman Turner at Catman F1. 
on Twitter. Uh, you are the president of the, the worst named racing team ever. You are, your sim team is called the Helmet Club. Um, I mean, I hate you. I die a little inside every time I hear that name. Yeah, and uh, especially since uh, Brad takes the mickey out of me every time for buying a uh, mini-moto helmet rather than the actual go-casting helmet. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the helmet club is, uh, is, is only in name. Mm. I, I like um, your Mist Apex cushion in the background. Yeah, and also go for merch. You know, mm. We've got Mist Apex... Um, face coverings, uh, yeah. Face coverings and all sorts of different things. You can go on redbubble.com and uh, go yeah. through and buy them on there. com forward slash buy stuff. And you can, tell, you can tell that I'm the one that, uh, that names all the, the pages on YouTube forward slash uh, buy stuff because I would struggle to, sell, to spell merchandise and, uh, and think that other people would struggle as well. So I just called it buy stuff. But there's some really good quality products on there. Uh, the price isn't what I'll, I'll admit. The price isn't what I want. It's a little bit more expensive than, than what I would want. I never really found a cheap solution that was good. Uh, to the point that, like, I've had... To, it's my own merch, and I can only really afford the face masks um, and, and a couple of other things. Um, but go and check it out. It, you know, it, it, it's, it's not the cheapest thing in the world, but everyone has been satisfied when they have received their thing, which is good. Um, speaking of things, Catman, what is your thing of the weekend? My thing of the weekend was one of the stewards at the end of qualifying. When Valtteri Bottas <sighs> decided to park in front of number two out of habit and then the steward brutally moved the boards around and slammed the number three board in front of Bottas it was loved it absolutely loved it that should be a missed apex award not a thing of the weekend yeah it's like there was so many layers to why that was bad a that he habitually went to the second place board like it would be better if he accidentally went to the first place board because he's such a winner in spirit that, that he made that mistake but going to the second place board and you go, oh, man. And then you saw his hands go up a little bit. Like he didn't know what was quite happening when they switched it. He didn't realise he'd finished third. Yeah, that was cruel on a lot of levels. Uh, Matt Trumpets, your thing over the weekend. Well, it could have been uh, Leclerc taking Stroll out of the race. So Perez looked even better. And I'm sure no money changed hands for that. Wait a minute. But it's you, not. Wait a minute. What are you talking about? You're talking about look, an, a racing incident. Are you talking about a racing incident, Matt? Surely not. Surely. That's what we have on the show, right? No, surely. We've got to... Whose fault is find it? Find out whose fault it is. We've got to assign blame. Uh, in my marriage, no incident goes unblamed. We never just go, oh, come on, let's, let's find a solution. Let's just get through this. No, we have to say whose fault it is. And like my terrible, toxic marriage on Missed Apex podcast, Alex... We assign blame for all incidents. Someone has to be at least mostly at fault. Charles Leclerc on the inside of Lance Stroll. Whose fault was it? Well, we know how much I like to sometimes have a dig at at Mr. Stroll. However, that was full-on sim racing lobby billy move by Charles Leclerc. Um, And no investigation. Yeah. Yet again, another another Charles Leclerc move where he's hit somebody or put somebody in a position Monza, that's Monza, Monza. of a penalty and hasn't got even an investigation when he literally clouts his rear wheel and sends him into the wall. Mm. Yeah, and that's what uh, one so, bloke says as well in the chat room. Uh, never mind the fault. Uh, 
it, why no penalty? Trumpets. Uh, is all the way on stroll. What? He went around the outside of Leclerc. Very clearly, Leclerc, because I watched the onboard from Charles. Leclerc. Leclerc. Um, and it was very clear that Stroll came around the outside of him. He stayed to the inside on the turn, and Stroll was coming back over to the racing line, and his rear wheel hit Leclerc's front wheel, which means by <laughs> the rules instituted by the FIA, they were indeed alongside, no, no, and no, therefore no. it was going to be Stroll driving into Leclerc's lane and not vice versa. Oh, hang on a minute. That, 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 thing, that thing where you're technically alongside, if any part of the car is alongside, that only applies mm-hmm. to a straight before the braking zone. That doesn't apply. In they corners. were going straight. They, no, that, that applies on a straight. They weren't on a straight. They were in a corner. So that rule about being alongside any part of the car being alongside counts as alongside only counts uh, on a straight in the well, before the braking zone. And, and that rule is even defunct now anyway. Ranji? Maybe, maybe mm. not. But reality would dictate if there's something there, I shouldn't drive into it. And that's what Stroll did. There's no way Stroll drove. I'm, I can't believe I'm sitting here angrily defending Stroll. Jeansy. It's because Stroll drove around Leclerc but didn't get all the way past him. Right? You like like Leclerc was still there. It's not like Leclerc lunged up the inside and drove straight into Stroll's side pods. He was still there at his pace. Hang on, hang on, Van Jean, we'll, we'll get to you, but Catman looks the angriest. Ah, I'm about to explode. Uh no, because it's so so for me, right, so he's on the outside. Leclerc hit his rear wheel. And Leclerc, if there's somebody alongside, has the responsibility to leave some space for Stroll. Stroll, yes, it, uh, this circuit could have jumped off onto the you know, yards of tarmac that were there. But why should he? You know, I, yeah. I ever since that Verstappen versus Leclerc incident in Austria, where he just pushed him off yeah. at the exit, you know, that set a precedent. And I think it's an absolutely rubbish precedent to have. I think Stroll should have been entitled to space there. Otherwise, how are you ever going to get around? For me, that's entirely Leclerc's fault. And that rant over. And while we've been having this conversation, yeah. I've been watching back the video that Matt sent me that I hadn't seen before. So oh. Matt sent me Matt sent me video of I'm, I'm curious Blair, to get your response now. And I've, watched it, I've watched it about 12 times, and every single time, Leclerc drives into Stroll. Stroll is coming around the outside and stays straight, and mm. Leclerc goes left and hits and hits Stroll. There is, there is literally nothing at fault with Stroll. Anyone else would have done the exact same move. It's a gameful defense, uh, Matt. We will we will let uh, people in the YouTube comments decide who they are more convinced by. Last point from Catman, and then we'll move on. Yeah, and you were saying that that Stroll was going around the outside. I've just watched the same thing that Van Jean was watching. Leclerc makes a lunge at Stroll. It's not that Stroll's overtaking Leclerc. Wah. <laughs> That's just understeer. Okay, into somebody yes. else. And if you yes. understeer into somebody in a corner. It's your fault. Well, if you go around someone to the outside mm. and you don't anticipate on the third turn of the okay, race okay, okay. on full tanks and cold tires that there might be some understeer involved, well, then you know. I mean, you know, you get what you get. He should be getting, and you don't get upset. I've really enjoyed this segment because uh, I just I love it when Matt's wrong, and um, so so I've I've enjoyed it, and I'm nice. It's nice that that has been aired. Uh, no, it was a game for defense, Matt. And who was your thing of the weekend again? I it got completely lost in that. I'm so glad you remembered to go back to that because my thing of the weekend will surprise you. Okay. It is nothing other than Kevin Magnuson's start. Okay. 
in which he Missed gained it. nine places. Yeah, I wonder nine why places he was in a up car there. Yeah. that has been driven since winter testing and is now picking parts out of last year's trash bin to keep running. Mm-hmm. Not only did he gain nine places at the start, but he actually managed to finish 12th. And given those circumstances, I got to say, that was kind of my thing of the week. Cool. My thing of the week is Ricardo invoking the Fast and the Furious because, you know, as we all know, uh, when you're losing a race watching Hollywood movies, what you basically do is you go, oh, no, I'm losing the race. I should just go faster somehow. I'm going to drop a gear and push the the accelerator pedal and go. (laughs) He's like, oh, yeah, I've got a five-second penalty. I'll just go faster. All right. I know you're joking, so I don't want to get too pedantic about this, but you should already be going as fast as you can over a race distance. There should be no margin for going any faster, Alex. Yeah, people on on social media have been saying, oh, you know, you know, that's the way you should react to being told something by your team, <laughs> not throwing a hissy fit. Like, you know, Hamilton was like, I'm pretty certain that was entirely sarcasm. No, of Danny course, Ricardo. Of course it was. That's exactly how I heard it when he first said, yeah, I'll just, I'll just go faster. Yeah. Yeah, okay. No, no, no. Obviously, it was 100%. It was 100% a joke. So we've been quite positive there. We've done positive things. But now it's time for us to, from our sheds and sofas, judge uh, elite athletes. Oh, no, you missed the Apex. With our missed Apex award. Okay, I I have two. So let's see if anybody picks up on on mine. Let's start with Van Jean, because he looks distracted again. I've got, I've got quite a few, and uh, I'm kind of going to give it to Merck this weekend. Okay. Um, because, you know, they told Lewis to do it. And by Merck, I put Lewis in the bubble as well. Okay. Um, they told, they did a thing that you shouldn't have done that they all should really know. And putting your driver at the end of the pit lane to do a start just doesn't seem like anything you do normally. And Lewis shouldn't have asked to do it. The team shouldn't have told him, yes, you can do it. It just, it's, it's another massive, yeah. um, mm. ad, almost an admin error yeah. from, which, from a team that has dominated the sport for the last seven years, come on, guys. Yeah. But we could just blame Netflix for it. It's it's also like, you know, it's Monza as well, you know, where they told their driver to come into a pit lane that was shut. The driver then missed all the signs that the pit lane was shut and they went into a pit lane was that was shut and got a penalty. And it's a slam dunk penalty. Um, but they had to fail at like two stages at least on both of you know that Monza incident and today, there had to be lots of failures to get to that fail point. So you know, and it had to be the team and it had to be the driver as well. So okay, I accept your Mercedes getting the missed Apex award. I mean, they're still they're still quite good, Matt. Uh, no, not Matt. Catman, missed Apex award. Bad thing. Thanks for clarifying. Yeah. My my missed <laughs> my That's missed so Apex cute. award is purely for science just deciding oh, that man. he was going to go guns blazing through those bollards. What a I shocker. I mean, dude, there's a wall. <laughs> just you're, oh. you're meant to be one of the best 20 drivers in the world. You know, maybe the throttle is not the choice for you at it, this moment. But it's just a nightmare. You know, it's a nightmare. That could easily have been Grosjean Spa-esque. You know, he's lucky it wasn't worse. He pinged back out into the track. He, I, I was fully expecting in, in real time watching that that he was going to go and collect another three cars, and he never did. If he'd have happened to have collected three cars, including his teammate, th- we would be seeing replays of that 
instead of Grosjean and Singapore, uh, you know, Grosjean in Spa and Singapore 2017, we'd be seeing signs 2020, Catman. Yeah, it's just lucky that Lando was going so slowly at that point that he yeah. could just basically stop yeah. and wait for all the debris to settle and then well, pick his way through. Lando was going slowly because signs had already hit him in a previous corner. Uh, right, so, yeah, like uh, I said... if Lando I... hit, Lando hit, signs. What? Lando what? was behind signs, signs went into the corner first. N- no, no. I think so. No, no, si- uh, si- Lando was ahead, but signs basically did a bit of a kamikaze move and he came through... And then on the way through, hit Norris. Is how I remember it. If I'm wrong, I stand corrected. But that's how I I saw that incident. So um yeah so yeah, signs just came through and overtook about eighteen people. Hit one of them on the way through that was his teammate. Then also hit the wall and then spewed debris in front of the track in front of his teammate. Now I know lots of drivers don't like their teammates, but that felt excessive. So <laughs> two missed apex awards left. Matt Trumpets, who missed the apex for you? Well, I wanted to jokingly say the bollards because I disagree with their placement and I hate that strategy. But I'm really going to have to go with the stewards on this one. Yeah, right. We didn't haven't really talked about Sato, have we? Um, and his nope. connection to Solo. Finnish Solo, sorry, to, and his connection to Finnish TV and the fact that the Finnish TV commentary had information on that penalty before it was announced, which to me points directly to, it's a fair assumption, that Sato was telling his mates in Finnish TV commentary the decisions. And then when you when you count into what we were talking about earlier, how it seemed really targeted, and like it's the most sensational possible penalties that he could have been given. One five-second penalty, another five-second penalty, and initially a two-point reprimand for each of those violations, which would result in a race ban, which... On the feed, the the Finnish feed I've heard with subtitles, uh, the commentators were using that as a real sensational sensational point. Not only has he got this race penalty, but he will be banned for the next race. We, we they were like kind of kind of putting the maths together and saying that it looks awfully like, yeah, well, it's certain that they were. It's nearly certain they were getting that information from Sato. Salo, Salo. Sorry, and I keep my saying lawyers Sato. have yeah, instructed yeah, yeah. me to tell you yeah. allegedly, yeah. allegedly that. That we that this is all based on a single post on an autosport forum. <laughs> no, no, it, I mean, no, no. Watching the the the, the Finnish TV stuff has been uh, posted everywhere. Like, yeah, Finnish TV hmm. did have they did announce the penalty earlier than the official stewards document. Yeah. So but how that's how, how the else only okay only part of it that is 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 easily confirmable. Okay. Because beyond that, you're talking about a journalist and their sources, and there have been since that came out. You are correct. Many, many um, people unhappy. But my point about the stewarding was larger in that why did we have to go through at least three different iterations of this? Like, I, like we could have a whole discussion about whether Salo leaked information and whether stewards should have phones when they're having these mm. negotiations, which I think the answer is probably not. <laughs> no. okay. Whether they should be yeah. public at all. Right. Like, like, I get your point of view. And I think that's a fair discussion to have. But I think I think if you look at the fact that we decided to give him a penalty, we waited till after the race started, yeah. and then the penalty changed at least twice mm-hmm. after that. It doesn't look what good. exactly yeah. is going on? Because it's not normal stewarding for that to happen. Okay. That's just not. That's just weird and wrong, and something funky going on there. So, so like, I, I'm not insane to be like complaining, and perhaps I shouldn't make no. very specific 
claims. That's fair. I completely get that. I think it's incredibly sweet, by the way. Thank you. You're a good friend for continuing to correct me between Sato and Salo when I clearly like had no idea why you kept saying a slightly different pronunciation. Uh, but it was very clear <laughs> that uh, I've been saying the wrong name and the chat room are being uh, particularly unmerciful uh, about that. So I guess it's my turn to do a comment of the week. Hey, it's better than, was it the last new show? When was my Mr. Hunt mistake? Was that the patron show or was that the new show? The patron show. Oh, okay. In that case, the normal people don't know about it. That's fine. New show, not panel. Oh, was not, it not? Okay, so everyone heard that. Friday. Darn. That's right. That's behind the paywall, you know, you have to, to pay premium to get the uh, the adult content. No, everyone everyone heard that error, uh, quite unfortunately. Um, okay, so we'll see how that, that um, Salo stewarding thing shakes out, but I, I hope we get more information because it didn't feel right. It felt sensationalist, and then that link back to, to, to the leaking of it before it was announced, it, it doesn't smell good. Uh, and that would be my input on that. So my uh, my my uh, missed apex award probably goes to just the tire selection in general. I know they're up against it when it comes to um, having uh, tires that wear at Sochi because Sochi is a generally low wear circuit. But having hard tires that last forty five laps means you're always going to be limited. Um, so I'm trying to get into my head whether oh is it okay because Sochi is like a bit Monaco-esque? Or is it that, you know, Pirelli should be looking at next year going, well, we know Sochi's like this. We need to kind of have a Sochi set of tyres. Um, Alex? Well, the tyres were the softest they could possibly go. So it was the three softest sets of tyres for this weekend. So if they'd gone up the scale harder, it had been worse. But the problem is, is the pit lane is so long here that you, even if, even if you can bolt on more mm. tires and be quicker on track, the time loss in the pit lane isn't worth it. So it's more a case of speeding up the pit lane or 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 you actually just go full hard tires and they can blast it for the whole race. Because you had so much tire saving today. Or you could uh change the rules and make it so that you could have a step different for the tires. So you could have softer tires and really hard tires, and then have an actual differential between the tires so that you could then have different strategies. And I can't believe that we are talking about tyres the one time that Mr Trumpets has ducked out. I know. Unfortunately, we've lost we've lost Matt uh, just at the time that comment of the week was coming. So hopefully he's going to reconnect to us now uh, and, and jump back in. And let's see, do we have Mr Trumpets back? Hi, Matt, are you there? I'm not going to blame Mika Salo for that, but uh, I'm also going to not not blame him for it. It's Mika Sato. Uh, I think we should be very, very clear on that. Um, we've got one um, award left, Matt, and, and that is to reward the wonderful comments we've seen flying by on the live chat. So we're going to give them this award. Comment of the week. And then we'll do our pony award after that. So who's our contenders, Matt, for comment of the week the comments were stored in a notebook <laughs> oh no that was lost when my computer crashed oh in that case um let's award it but to the... actually I, I i do have a winner okay i do have a winner good sorry there was um dominic oxford had a really funny comment and he was definitely in the running but because i can remember it i'm just <laughs> gonna go for the winner brilliant mark greenhow which is says given how he's available given how he argues 
in the face of all evidence that he is right. How is it possible that I married Matt Trumpet? I don't get that at all. You didn't get it? Well, it's as close as I could come to remembering it. He's like, <laughs> how did I manage to marry Matt Trumpet since he argues that that right is wrong and up is down? Oh, I say, oh right, the, so he's saying his wife is yeah, like, like that. Like, okay. like, in the face of all evidence, I'm insisting the clerk was innocent. Right. Um, and apparently his wife does the is same similar. thing. So. Okay, uh, Cameron, do you have a candidate that isn't just slagging off his spouse? Yeah, uh, yes, I did have one from Charlie Marie TV that said, uh, science missed the apex but hit the wall. Yeah, that'll do. Comment of the week. Hey, we're doing pretty well for a show that just lost its co-host completely uh, dropping out of the call and jumping back in. A pony award. I guess that's relevant. Daddy, I want the pony. And I want it now. Van Jean, have you got a pony award? There's only one contender this week. Go on then. And it's my boy, my boy Lewis. Ah. You know, I... I I understand his frustration, but unfortunately, you can't, he can't moan like that on the radio and get away with it. But that actually wasn't the key point. Mm -hmm. The key point was in the interview after the race when he admitted he didn't know the rules and he has to go and have a look at it to fully understand it. But he then said that maybe they're just out to stop him. And 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 my hands went, my head went in my hands. I was like, no, don't say that because now I have to defend you and I can't defend that because no. that is just the conspiracy theory that Lewis does have sometimes that people are out to get him. And I'm with you a bit. You can't I'm, get away with I'm that, with you. I? I get your point. I think the only slight defense is there is a massive, massive question mark over what was going on uh, with the driver steward. I, I want answers on that. And I, I don't think it, it mitigates I, I agree. Lewis's reaction. I agree. Yeah because the way it's a bit dodgy. However, they did something wrong. There should have been a penalty. Yes. I was waiting mm-hmm. for a penalty. So yeah. that the, the points thing and all that kind of stuff is, is, is not what I'm talking about. It's, you know, he got, he deserved a penalty, mm-hmm. whether the penalty he got was the correct penalty or not is different, but, Lewis Hamilton can't say people are out to get him. Derek Irwin he, says he, he has to be... He can't yeah. stand and get away with it. Derek Irwin says he has to be bigger than the sport. And I think that's true. He is absolutely the biggest personality in Formula One right now. And it wasn't befitting of Lewis Hamilton in that situation. And I think on Friday, you and I were discussing, uh, Alex, how we still think of Alex as... Uh, of Alex, of Lewis as the, the plucky underdog coming through, even though he's a six-time world champion. He's an ambassador for the sport. So getting on there in interviews afterwards and saying the authorities there are basically bending the rules on purpose to personally attack him is a big, big shout. Uh, And it's probably not what he should have done. I think that's a justified pony award. Uh, Actually, for me, the reason I would have given him a pony is not letting it go. So saying, I think that was the wrong call, guys. Where should we go from here? That's actually the Lewis we've been accustomed to. But the continual... It was too early. It was rubbish. No, I'm not pushing. I'm I'm doing this head down. Uh, it didn't feel good. I think he knew he was doomed from there. He mm. didn't. He hasn't liked the hard tire all weekend. If you remember in practice, he screwed up his one main run on the hard tires as well. So he didn't really get a lot of running on that hard tire, and he had no pace on it. So mm. I un- I completely understand in racing head. Um, adrenaline pumping frustration of especially being on the verge of equaling the race record the race win record and having it taken away 
I can understand it, but mm. he's got to keep a calm ahead. He's he's a he's a soon to be seven time world champion, and he has to be cooler than that. Lewis fans in the chat saying he's allowed to be human. Absolutely, he's allowed to be human. He's allowed to be have his reaction, but it's um you know it's broadcast television with millions of people around the world watching. We're also allowed to to judge and have our opinion, and I think we caveat it fairly well that we know we're being very armchair critics and we have no idea what it's like to be under that pressure but thank you so much for joining us on missed apex this sunday join our panel online follow them uh catman f1 you can be followed on twitter and stuff i can indeed catman f1 and also the helmet club on facebook and the twitters don't put that into your google search bar it's a trap not on your work phone anyway yeah not in your work phone it's a trick Uh, alex van jean can be found at Alex Van Jean, V-A-N-G-E-E-N, on Twitter. You've surpassed your 1,000 Twitter followers target. Now you're after YouTube subscribers as well. Yeah, I've made a few nice videos as well. I'm not just doing live streams. Mm. I did a full feature-length video of a race that was awesome, and then I did a short version, and I have a angry side of me at the moment, which is going to be a video of a guy who punted me and our friend... Um, Stephen Williams off in one race within three laps. So um, that'll no, be coming soon. I'm glad. Be a short little one. I'm glad you know what it's like to be punted by people. I'm I'm very pleased with that. Please do follow. Please follow uh, my friends, Matt Trumpets. He is at MattPT55 on Twitter. Follow his wife as well, at A Weaver Writes, because she writes mucky books that you might enjoy as a couple. I don't know any better way to sell it than that, Matt, but I mean, they're books and they're a bit mucky. So what can I do? Well, you could just say they're good books, and if you enjoy reading a good story, you should read them. But okay, if more people will buy mucky books, yes, they are mucky as can be. Yeah, I think, you know, mummy and daddy times, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good draw. At Avery Weaver writes on Twitter, and you can follow me at Spanners Ready as well. If you would like to hear more from me, uh, you know, there are, there are the odd people that don't find me too annoying. You can find us over at the Remain Indoors podcast as well. Uh, you can be my friend on Facebook, uh, Richard Reddy. Search for Richard Reddy on there. I've got audio books uh, as well. I've got um, a zombie audio book available called Isle of the Dead, uh, which is about the zombie apocalypse breaking out on the Isle of Wight. So you can have my voice in your ear for nine hours for just one audible book token. Uh, we'll be back here, oh, I think next Sunday. Why not? Let's do a new show next Sunday before we do the Nürburgring Grand Prix. So, yeah. Wherever we see you next, work hard, be kind, and have fun. This was Missed Apex. Oh, we did that thing again, Matt. I love it when we nearly move on from a topic, and then we don't move on, and we double back, and I've played everything at the wrong time. I desperately tried to get you not to go on once i saw that you didn't see me gesturing to oh. you but you insisted on asking me the question and so i was like well let me just say because the word alphatari because i know frantic. a lot of fans out there were super excited about that and i just wanted to give them a 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.